Well, welcome back once again to Rhythms of Grace. I am Nate Kimball, and I'm here with uh, Sung Kim, lead pastor of Grace Church. And uh, we are talking about stages of life. We've talked about rhythms, we've talked about seasons, and we're talking about stages of life. Um, all the way from infancy, you know, several episodes ago, we've worked our way all the way through adulthood. Where do we find ourselves right now? Well, this is the last stage. Okay. Old age. Old age. <laughs> or late adulthood. Okay. If you want to make it sound less, you know, old. Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, the weird thing is, the older I get, my criteria for old age Keeps changes. moving <laughs> upwards. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And my criteria for who's young keeps advancing as well. I'm like, I you're know. only 30? Come on. <laughs> you're a child. <laughs> that's, that's when you know you're old, I right? I know, right? Like, what are, what are signs that you know you're old, like everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work? Oh, man, that is the truth. <laughs> that is the truth. Is that you? Well, I'm getting there. Okay. I'm getting there. I have had, like, I've found that, like, my injuries tend to be way more <laughs> nagging than they used to be. Like, right, it was right. a year ago that I twisted my ankle on the ice, mm-hmm. and it took me I solid six months before I felt Holy. like I was back to, I mean, really, it was crazy. Okay. And I used to sprain my ankle when I played sports in high school, like, every week you know what i mean you just, yeah. just kind of keep plugging through but this time oh my goodness i was actually on crutches for a while oh man i remember that me, yeah that made me mm. feel old yeah you know I, I actually yesterday <laughs> our family was having this discussion about um how uh your flexibility is a good indication of how long you may live oh no and so we're doing all these floor exercises <laughs> oh, you know no. and so my son is like do, doing them and, and and so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try it. And surprisingly, I did really well. And uh, my wife is like, I'm not even going um, to try. To, to, to which I felt really good. I was like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be immortal. Okay. And of course, you turned it into a competition. <laughs> That's right. And, my- then, and then I said, well, and this is, again, really revealing. If you have heard any of the other podcasts, this won't be too surprising. But... But I said to, I said, to, I turned to my wife afterwards. I was like, I'm pretty limber, right? And she's like, yeah, and really humble too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, yeah, my kids make fun of how inflexible I am. <laughs> I'm, but see, here's the thing. It's even, even when I was young, like I did sports and we used to stretch for like 20 to, to 30 minutes before every practice. So every single day, I still couldn't touch my toes. <laughs> So I feel it's like genetics. It must be. <laughs> yeah. For real. Well, and you know, you're getting old when you get winded playing cards. Oh, man. That's not you, is it? No, no. no. I, I can still I can still crank pretty good. Okay. Around the farm. Well, I know I'm getting old because you know what? Uh, honestly, I look forward to a dull evening. There you go. Uh, that, that I'm like, yes, I am old, right? I think, I think also, like, my kids make fun of me if I start brushing my teeth at, like, 8.30. <laughs> but here's the thing. A lot of it is, like, I'm just going to go read in bed, but I don't want to have to come all the way back down the stairs. That's probably a sign of old age as well. If I'm like, I don't want to have to go down the stairs to brush my teeth. Because <laughs> uh, your knees buckle, but your belt, uh Yeah. Does not. I did fall down the (laughs) stairs this morning, as a matter of fact. Did you? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right. So, you know, old age, uh, Eric Erickson, he's the uh, person we're using his framework for, not only to talk about biological, but more so emotional and spiritual uh, uh, advancement and just kind of uh, um, uh, like what what is developed at certain stages. And in old age, he calls this the stage of... Uh, you're you're in the age of integrity or the age of despair. That and so, sounds that sounds intense. It, it does, right? You're either you either become more whole 
and, and there's integrity between who you want to be and you, who you actually are, or, uh, and this is the culmination of all the different stages, like you, it, you live a life of just utter despair. Wow. I, so this actually makes me think of my, uh, of my two grandmothers, mm. and I, I don't mean any disrespect in the telling of this story, but it's something I've observed. So they were literally born on the same day, one of them has passed. The other is in her mid-90s. Mm. Um, but w- my mom's mom, she's this little Irish lady, little Irish Catholic, and she just kept cranking. She lost her husband, and she immediately like dives into relationships with friends. She was going to mass every single day. I mean, incredibly devout. She was taking care of people significantly younger than her, <laughs> really. You know, where they if they couldn't get out of bed, she was doing the rounds. And there was a whole period, again, now she's in her, but when she was in her 80s, where we'd be like, hey, you know, Grandma, do you want to come over for dinner? She'd be like, I'm not going to be in town. Are you kidding me? She's like, I'm going to be in Chicago visiting your uncle. She she was traveling. She rode trains by herself, like between Detroit and Chicago. She kind of well into her 80s and even 90s. She was driving and visiting people. Um, and, and her life kind of continued to expand in a way. My other grandma, my dad's mom, when her husband passed, I, I saw her start to retreat inside herself. I think she was introverted to begin with, and there's nothing wrong with being introverted, but slowly her circle contracted and contracted and contracted. And her capacity for relationship diminished as well. And uh, like we would have her over for dinner. And as soon as the meal was done, she'd be like, well, I'm ready to go home. Please take me home. You know that she just kind of wanted to be all by herself. And I saw the difference between one person who kind of continued to embrace a full you know, a well sort of rounded life. And not that, not that she didn't have her issues, but a sort of a well-rounded life versus my other grandmother who really retreated into herself and kind of into her chair more or less. And that's kind of how she ended her life, sadly. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good example of living into integrity and wisdom or living into despair, right? Because uh, when your circle contracts, it, your world gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. A- and really at the center of that circle is you. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think this is a stage where people have to come to terms with your own life. Um, and, and hopefully you arrive at the place of this sense of freedom that there isn't this regret that you wish you would have done things differently in your life or that you you wish your life would have turned out different. Um, and, and you come to terms of just accepting every aspect of your life in terms of uh, taking responsibility for your life. Okay. Um, because this is also the season where you are mourning the loss of perhaps a spouse or friends or loved ones. You know, you're... you're uh, mobility decrease, decreases and is diminished. There, there, almost to a point, sometimes there's a lack of uh, autonomy anymore. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the sense of drive you've kind of lost and the intimacy you used to have, whether with friends or family or spouse, or it, it's like missing. Mm. And, and so I think sometimes when that's missing, that that's either the spark where, like your one grandmother, it just, you, you just... You, you take the initiative to gra- grab life and, and like you, you are living into who you, who you're supposed to be versus just o- almost giving up on life and just yeah. waiting till death. Yeah. And, and we know what happens when you just wait till death and there's nothing else to live for. Yeah. You know, I, I think, and that's where age is not so much a biological thing as much as a, 
uh, mental in, or intellectual and emotional thing because I, one thing I always ask myself is, uh, do 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 I look f- like uh, when I look? Uh, I forgot the question. You don't but, remember what you asked. No, no, but, but well, it's, it's, I'm I'm trying to think of how to frame it. it it's mm. like, uh, do does my looking for do I have more years that I'm looking forward to? Than the years I look back. Okay. Or no, that uh, that's a terrible. I, I, forget it. All right, we're moving on. We'll, <laughs> we're moving it, on. I'm sure it's going to come to you, and we'll we'll circle back. We'll circle back. Yeah. So I mean, for me, the the question continues to be, and I've thought about it when I look at my grandmothers, like what it, what defines sort of which way the life of the path of your life diverges. How, how do you determine kind of which direction you're going to go as you hit old age? If you're in some ways becoming more of, let's say more of who you are. Right. Um, how do you decide, how do you, how do we all make sure that we land kind of in a place of wisdom and integrity? Yeah. You know, I, I think for the most part, many of, most of us live most of our lives thinking that we have unlimited time. Yeah. And so we will not do the hard work of, um, like beginning with the end in mind. Mm. And so like, and, and sometimes we have to ask ourselves, like, for example, if I only had until let's say Christmas to live, like what would I do differently with mm. my life? Like, and, and I think that's a really important question to ask because it, it clarifies what is essential and important in your life and what do I need to do before I die? But uh, again, even those who are older in their fifties or even sixties, I, mean, well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know at, at what age you start thinking like, oh, like I need to start thinking at uh, like at the end and, and then working myself back. Yeah. But usually in your twenties and thirties, you're like, I, like death. What is that? Yeah. Absolutely. You think you're invincible. Yep. Yep. I mean, it is it is interesting to think of this stage more than the other ones. That's kind of like, I, I mean, I believe transformation is possible at any at any stage. But this one more than the others is kind of the result of everything that you've done before. Yeah. Whereas the other ones kind of do feel like from a decision tree sort of standpoint, you can kind of go left or you can go right. And that change this one, it's kind of like, no, this is the result of of everything that's come before in yeah. some ways. Yeah, it, it is. At the same time, I would say it's never too late to change your life's direction, yeah. right? I mean, I've seen that in people who are in their 70s, mm. uh, pursue new hobbies, yeah. take classes, graduate from school. Uh, I think of the story of Alfred Nobel, who's the founder of the Nobel Prize, which is known for, it, it's rewarded annually for like the greatest achievements in arts and sciences. And his story is fascinating because it, 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 like it went, uh, one day his brother dies mm. and they accidentally printed Alfred's obituary in the newspaper. Oh, really? Yeah, and so he had this really unique opportunity to to read his own obituary oh, man. while he was still alive and, and seeing how posterity would remember him. And so... Um, and it said something to the effect of Alfred made a fortune by uh, enabling military to achieve new levels of mass destruction. Oh, my God. <laughs> and when he read that, he thought, like, I need to change the direction of my life before I die. And, and so sometimes people had this significant shift like Alfred Nobel did. And today we remember him associated with that, the, the Nobel Prize, which is uh, given to somebody who is renowned for research that most benefited humanity. Yeah. In all sorts of different arenas. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think part of it is like living, recognizing that the choices you make today, 
again, we often make those choices in, in a vacuum thinking that we don't really think what, what's coming down the road. But th- those are laying down the seeds for who you will become in this last stage. And if you're a, a grump in your 20s and 30s, guess what? When you enter this stage, yeah. you, you you will be much worse of a grump. I, I do feel that way about old <laughs> age. I feel like you care less and less. What like all of the sort of restrictions, external and internal, that are that are on you start to fall away. Yeah, right? like you care less what other people think. Like you don't have some. I mean, again, sadly, some people don't have a spouse kind of like keeping them in line and be right. like, "Don't you can't say that at a party," you know? And you start to see a little bit of who someone is when when there's no restriction right and, and i would even say that's why it's so important even before you get to the stage for example like uh, again i tend to be on the end of the continuum that really don't doesn't care about what people think mm. or, or say about mm-hmm. me or whatever but it, that's why it, 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 wherever you're at it's really important even at, at like for example at my stage to cultivate how am i going to respond to that yeah. is that going to lead to indifference and, and just kind of apathy or is that going to cultivate a, a a, a new set of sensitivity and empathy because if I don't develop that now, when I'm in that old age, I'm going to be like, screw the world. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Yeah. It is, it is so helpful to, it, to begin with the end in mind as you, as you, I mean, I would expect that most people listening to us are not like in the old age stage. <laughs> right. right. But it's, it's so important to think that what you're doing now and today actually is setting your trajectory yeah. for where you're going to land. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, studies and uh, a book that has been really informative and has been, you know, pretty inspiring to me, and I've shared this in sermons, is uh, a book by a Australian nurse named Bronnie Ware. Um, she was a nurse that, uh, like, uh, stayed with patients during, the like, the last 12 weeks or 12 days or 12 hours or 12 mm-hmm. seconds of their life. Uh, like walking with them, um, being kind of their aid. And she wrote a whole book on the most common regrets of those at the end of their lives. And, you know, obviously among the top ones is I wish I hadn't worked so hard. But the others are just as incisive and insightful. And maybe we could just kind of walk through some of the insights that she she, uh, shared in that book just to help our discussion here. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the ones that she said were one of the top five regrets of the dying was she says, I, uh, she notes that people said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not what other people expected of me. Wow. So that, that kind of speaks to so many things, right? Like, you know, again, maybe you're in a profession because you have generations of people in that profession. Yeah. And, and for some, maybe it is what you were called to, but for may, maybe for others, it's like, yeah, I'm just doing this because other people expect this of me. And in some ways you can see how a life lived that way ends in despair. If you yeah. lived your entire life kind of living up to somebody else's expectations and you reach the end stages and realize you do not have a chance, you don't have time to choose something else. Talk about a despairing sort of perspective. Right, right. And sometimes we fall into this lie like, okay, well, uh, I'll go on and be a medical doctor. And then once uh, once I achieve that, then I'll pursue my real passion, yeah, which is painting. Yeah. Right. And, and again, like sometimes a, a lot of those people, it's like they get to the end of their life and they realize, man, I, I haven't even fulfilled half of my life dreams. Yeah. So that, that's one. I think that's really important to con- consider like, 
how much of what we do now is driven by not only other people's expectations, but also like, uh, um, like, especially in your twenties, like you, this need to be financially stable or financially independent. So I'll go into a job or profession that I know I will be financial, financially secure, uh, at the expense of kind of, uh, my desires, my dreams, and some of this other part of who I am. Yeah. And I think again, like there's a balance, right? Yep. You know, we can't all become <laughs> artists and musicians, even though for many of us, that tends to be our dream, but yep. it, it is so important to, to take that moment of self-reflection and say, what is driving this decision? You know, am I putting off things that bring me life in an effort to fulfill this obligation or it's helpful to reflect? Yeah. Yeah. Another one that she writes about is this, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Yeah, I don't do that too well. (laughs) Sounds like, that's a dumb one. Let's move on. (laughs) That's right. How do I feel about that? Let's go on. No, I I think that's really important because, again, like, I I think of, and again, with with my family, I'm really practicing. I think I'm pretty good at this, but, like, where I think I have a harder time is like with my colleagues or friends outside my family to just say, look, uh, this is what I really appreciate about you. And, and the sad thing is oftentimes uh, it, like w- when a friend or somebody, you know, uh, passes, oftentimes you may say some of those things in a eulogy, yeah, but they never get a chance to hear that right. when they're alive. Right. And, and that is kind of tragic. I mean, again, it's so interesting to see how this plays into the integrity despair split. <laughs> if you are true about expressing your feelings and you know what your feelings are, yeah. that is part of being a person that's full of integrity. And I think it brings a wisdom and at least knowing yourself. And if you spend your entire life not communicating your feelings, I, that's that's a despairing place to be. Yeah. If you feel like you can't share your concerns or if you feel like you have to continually put on a brave face despite the fears or you, you were taught not to communicate sadness, right. I mean, that that leads to despair long-term. It's Again, this is so fascinating to see how those regrets result in the very thing that we started talking about. Yeah, and you could see if you live into those things how that leads to a life of integrity. Yeah. Yeah. Another one that was interesting is she, she said uh, this, uh, which was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. Mm. Again, just kind of relationships. Because when you're dying, there's a sense of like, oh, I want to reconnect with this friend. But like, it's almost like you don't have a chance to. Yeah. And, and so, um, and again, this really speaks to me because, uh, again, I'm the kind of friend, like I have friends back from college and even before where like we, we meet up and it's like not, not any time has passed. Yeah but I'm really terrible at keeping up with them in, in the middle, Yep. yep. you know, and, and it's almost, it's almost like if I have a reason or I'm in the city that they're living in, Oh, it's, it's a reason to catch up. But I, aside from that, I really don't. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, especially with technology and the fact that we all have phones in our pockets, yeah. staying connected should be easier than ever, yeah. right? It, it should be easier than ever, but it's not. I mean, it's it's interesting. We're just not taking sort of the initiative to do that. But it isn't hard when you think of someone to just send a text that says, thinking about you, really glad that you're in my life, yeah. and leaving it there. That's that's significant. Yeah. Simple. And it is, it is significant because oftentimes we may think like, oh, it's such a small thing. Yeah. But how often have I talked to people where on the receiving end, they will say to me, oh, I received this email or this encouragement or this text, and it changed the yeah. course of my life. Yeah. Yep. And, and this goes back to the whole expressing your feelings. Oftentimes, the person who sent that doesn't even know that that happened because right. that person, right. they, they shared with me how life-changing that was. 
but they haven't gone back and said, hey, you know, when you sent this text and, and said this, that changed the trajectory of my life. Yeah. It's helpful for those of you that are listening, just to think back, if someone that from your past that you hadn't connected with in, a, in let's say, an extended period of time, texted you out of the blue with really just an encouraging text that was like, hey, I was remembering this about you, really thankful that someone like you is in the world. How would you feel? I mean, that yeah. would make your day. And it's right. not that big of a step for us to turn around and do the same thing to others. Exactly. Because uh, I've had friends reach out to me with, uh, with, with that, but then finding out after the first conversation, they were actually trying to sell me something. Yes. Uh, that's, <laughs> clearly, that's not what we're advocating. Right. But, but again, when, when it's without an agenda, yeah. but just a purely relational investment and, yeah. and almost a remembrance of, hey, you, you meant so much to me in this period of my life. Uh, I'm just expressing that appreciation now. Yeah. I mean, I did that to my soccer coach uh, several years ago. I forget what happened in my life that made me recall some of the lessons that he had taught me. And I just communicated back to him like, hey, I want you to know, I remember what it's like. I, I learned more about being a team player. I learned more about pushing my personal sort of boundaries in an effort to, to succeed in soccer than I did in any of my classes. And I just said, hey, thanks. That, that was a significant part of my development. And he emailed me right back. And we hadn't talked in probably a decade. Mm. He was like, I so needed that email. He's like, I am in a place in my life where I was forgetting the very lessons that you said I taught you. Wow. I'm operating in isolation when I should be functioning as a team. I'm ready to give up. And so again, I was just being thankful, but it came at a time when he really needed that exact sort of encouragement. Wow. Yeah, I remember uh, maybe a, a couple of years ago, my the, the past my pastor from the college, the church I went to in college. That's actually the church where I became a Christian. Um, he he was ha he happened to be in town for a uh, like a presbytery meeting, which is like a denominational meeting, and I literally had not s seen or talked to him in like. 20 years okay. since I graduated from college and he, he, he's known like the impact that he and the church has made. But when he was in town, like I made it a point that we got together and I remember we were just kind of catching up on old times and he was just asking me about the church and just life. And we were just really, just really having a great time. And I remember it, it, like two hours had gone by and we were just relishing our memories. And I said, you know, well, you know, I just want like, and he thought I was sh like trying to leave the meeting saying, yeah, you know, I know you got to go. And he said, no, 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 no. Like, I, I want to say one last thing before, before I go. And I just said, I, I just want you to know. And I just told him how much his ministry and his life made a difference in my life. Yeah. And again, just, you know, whether it's a simple practice of gratitude mm -hmm. towards somebody, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody that you haven't seen in 20 years. Right. It could be somebody just that, that you see every day at work yeah. or in life. And just a simple practice of gratitude yeah. can really release, uh, you know, not leaning into some of these regrets. That's good. Were there other regrets? The last one, uh, last one, uh, you know, again, I think because this is so, uh, <laughs> maybe because this one speaks so much to me. And I think to so many people, uh, so many of our listeners, but again, the number one uh, regret was I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And I want to quote this one part that she says in the book. She says, uh, and this, this part was really fascinating. She says, this came from every male patient that I nursed. Oh. Every single male. Oh, man. And she said, they miss their children's youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret, but as most were from an older generation, many of the female patients had not been breadwinners. 
All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. Man, I, I lived this. I'm, I'm actually thankful in some ways God caught my attention and, and altered my life. Um, I may have said in earlier episodes or not, but I, I, did, I worked as a stockbroker for about a decade. And at the same time I was doing that, I was trying to start my own business kind of on the side. And, and like 80, 90 hours a week were not uncommon work weeks for me for a number of years. Um, and my daughter, she was like 13, 14 months at the time. She got really sick and ended up in the hospital. And because my wife was eight months pregnant at the time, um, I had the first overnight shift. Uh, and so I was there with my daughter and she was on my lap and she cried for her mom for the entire night. I'm, I'm like, not a little bit. She cried for her mom for the entire night. And I sat there with my daughter on my lap and I realized I am a stranger to this child. She does not know me and she finds no comfort in my presence. I have missed her. I have missed, I mean, we talked about how critical that infancy stage is. I had missed it entirely. Um, And that was a profound, I mean, that was a life-changing lesson for me. And I literally, once she was out of the hospital and it took several months, I quit my job. I went and I said, hey, this, the cost is too high. Like I I have to find something else that allows me to be present in a different way. Yeah, now, I still am. I still have a tendency to overwork. Like, it's not. I'm not. I'm not a finished work. But, but again, that was a very clear shift in the direction of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've had a very similar experience too. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. But I, I do remember uh, when my son was born. Um, that was 2006. No, wow. Well, Uh, Yeah. So we were right in the midst of trying to plant a church, uh, Grace Church, and I was working all sorts of crazy hours. And I remember uh, going to the hospital with my wife, and I think it was a Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and uh, that my son was born. And because I was so driven, and I, I, like, I had, like, I... Hours after my son was born, I was like, hey, honey, I need to go. It's Sunday morning. I need to go preach. And I left her. Now, okay, and that's not even the worst part. Oh, man. <laughs> not, not only did I leave her at the hospital with our newborn son, but um, she was being released that day, that, that morning. And so uh, I left her to drive home by herself with our newborn son. Oh. Don't make the mistakes Sung and I have made. Please, I am begging you. You, Like, on one hand, we look back and we're like, oh, like, there's a little, like, you can look at it with some humor and some grace. But in the moment, like, when you realize it is so, it's so, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It is so painful. It is. And it was years later that my wife said, like, and I knew that, like, that caused hurt. But I don't think I knew the degree of hurt till years later when my wife said, you know, Sung, when you did this, that was so hurtful. Yeah. You know, and again, it's like so heartbreaking. And again, especially if you're type A driven types, like it's so easy to like, to just, oh, 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 that that was hurtful. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Or even to say, I'll make it up to you. Right. But but that even that requires time that we are not assured. It requires time that we don't know that we have. And when we talk about old age, that's when you start to realize there is not time to fix these things that I've broken. There's not time to reprioritize my life apart from work. I don't have a chance to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the question goes back to again, like, um, 
how how are you going to measure your life at the end of your life if if, if you had the opportunity to see your obituary uh, printed online like what would you want it to say yeah. and that means are you living in a way that that is true yeah. or uh, like again not many of us will have the op- unique opportunity like Alfred Noble did but like that 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 would be such an interesting exercise just to consider and it's it's not like anyone is going to take a hard left turn and live the fully embodied life that they hope they see in their obituary. But it's about taking steps now that are going to bring us to that point. Yeah. So we are so thankful that you have spent this much time with us. If you've made it all the way through, we are actually wrapping up season one of our podcast. We might have some bonus features that are going to come out in the next week or two. So keep your eyes peeled for those. But for now, that is a wrap.